Yet I think it was almost the first time in my life that I had been seriously bothered with remorse. Of course, I couldn't stay on the place, so I ran away down the river. But the colonel sent hunting parties after me, and they found me three days later. They brought me back to the colonel, and he said, Christy, if you want to leave me, you're as free as the wind to go when you please. But if it's shame that's driving you away, I want you to stay on here with me. As for stealing a pair of boots, I give you my word that I have done much worse things myself. I stayed, and I began to worship the colonel from that moment. About six months later, he risked entering me in a race, because he had a weak filly that needed a vigorous ride, even in a six-furlong sprint, but that couldn't stand up under more than ninety pounds. I managed to lift that filly home first, by half a nose, and the colonel cleaned up thousands of dollars, because the odds were terribly heavy against the little mare, and he had played her like the madman he was. That win made one of the gamblers so angry that the fellow took a shot at the colonel one evening, grazing his head with a rifle bullet. The colonel accepted it calmly, as he did most things. But he decided that he would have to have a bodyguard and looked around him for someone to fit in with the post. There were plenty of men who were devoted to the family and who were good fighters with plenty of courage, but you could never guess which way the colonel would jump. The bodyguard that he finally selected was I. Yes, he took an eleven-year-old boy and made him into a bodyguard. He brought me in and settled me in a room next to his, and he kept me with him night and day. I didn't want the job, and I told him he was foolish to put so much trust into my hands, because with all his jewels at the tips of my fingers, the bad deaver blood might break out, and I might abscond with the valuables. The colonel listened to this, then he made me sit down in front of him, and he said, "'What's all this about the bad deaver blood? "'Just what is your blood, my son?' "'Scotch and Irish,' I replied. "'A noble strain,' said the colonel gravely. "'Now, what was your father's business in life? "'Gambling, fighting, and borrowing money that he never paid back?' "'He gambled and fought and borrowed,' said the colonel. "'I hope that I shall not be condemned for those crimes.' Very well. Who was your grandfather? A sea captain in the slave trade. What would Virginia be without slaves? asked the colonel. What would the whole glorious South be without black labor to maintain the plantations? Who was your great-grandfather? He stabbed a man in Dublin, and he was sent over here when he was a boy as an indentured servant. He was a soldier in the Revolution. Excellent! exclaimed the colonel. I see that you come from a fighting strain. Why, my lad, you speak as though you were ashamed of your blood. And what do I learn? That your great-grandfather was a hero who would not bear insults, but killed his foes, and afterward he helped to liberate our land. And your grandfather was a steel-nerved sea captain who roved across the ocean and took his chances where he found them. Your father was a worshipper of the goddess of chance, as your grandfather was of the goddess of the sea. Do not speak to me of bad blood. For my part, I look upon the diva strain with the greatest respect. And for that reason, Christy, I am going to place my life in your hands. I give you this as a sample of the colonel's way of talking, because he always knew how to dress up the worst matters so as to make them have the best possible face. However, I took part of what he said to heart, and stopped being ashamed of my name from that moment. Besides, there was a good deal of sense in this way of treating me. It made me try to live up to the reputation which he gave me, and before that first week was up, 
I found a way of repaying the colonel for some of his kindness and trust. A pair of thieves got into the house while he was away at a hunting meeting, but I gave them both barrels of one of the colonel's pistols. One of them dropped with a slug in his leg, and the other made off as fast as he could. The colonel used this chance to justify his selection of me as a bodyguard. From that moment, I received a good deal of attention from the rest of the household, and even from the Rutherford field workers, while I was much lifted in my own estimation. Revolvers were being introduced at about this time, and the colonel brought home one for me. I spent countless hours practicing with it and getting ready for the next brush with thieves, but there was no more trouble of that kind. The next misfortune came in a different way. The colonel had fallen more and more deeply in debt until finally he began to plunge on the racetrack. He got to such a point that he decided to venture everything that he could raise with mortgages on a final race in which his six-year-old brown stallion, Sir Turpin, was to run against Elliot Bar.